build a layered system of a prioritized outreach. It's good to have a cold sequence running to people in your ICP. On top of that, try to see who is a little bit more interested. It's okay to, to use some of the other intent data out there just to see if it, it, if it works. And on top of that, always go higher in terms of priority. And the higher you go in, in terms of the value of a specific signal, the more personalized you should be in approaching that prospect. So see it really as different layers that I think you could uh, give different responsibilities to different reps, or you could give them with that view. That's up, up to the, the way your company works. But I think giving them that layered, I, I call it like augmented reality glasses over their uh, market that they are targeting. Yeah, this, that's that's for me, That's um, that is a rep on steroids for me. Someone that really can look into his market and see, okay, today, this is the person I need to catch. Welcome to the Sales Consultant Podcast. My name is Derek Williams, and I'm your host. In this episode, I have the honor of interviewing Samuel Verhig, the co-founder of Revenue Precision, a B2B sales consulting firm that specializes in sales operations consulting, SDR as a service, and providing fractional SDR management. I hope you enjoy the conversation as we navigate through the intersection of refining your total addressable market down to your obtainable market and some very innovative and highly effective prospecting strategies that you can use to engage with those obtainable prospects. First of all, thank you Ephraim, for the invite. I think it's it's great to, to to have this conversation and to always learn from each other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first of all, my name is, is Sam, and I'm indeed the co-founder of uh, Revenue Precision for I think uh, a little over three years now. Also, a dad of two girls, which is another nice. whole episode as such, right? Dad of three um, myself. I'm there with you. Yeah, girl. Congrats! Dad congrats. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's. They're like running two jobs at the same time almost. Um, <laughs> but still, you can learn a lot from being a dad also in how uh, how to do good sales. So uh, that's, uh, mm. that's, uh, that's, that's interesting for me. Um, what else? I love cycling. Um, and I got into sales already quite, uh, quite early in uh, when I was 16, I think. Uh, I got like the first, uh, the first appetite and, and wanting to understand how that goes. But really, when we started revenue, oh, wait, what were you selling at sixteen? Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm sure well, it was in a lemonade stand, but uh, almost, you got into, yeah, yeah, <laughs> almost. Actually, um, we had to build like a, a business plan, and and it was all about okay, how to actually address a market needs. And I was uh, I, the school where I was at was also there was also like a, a primary care. Um, how did they say it? primary care school? No, that's not yeah, like uh, the, the children from from four to ten, something like that. Yeah, elementary. Okay, so, elementary, elementary. Thank you. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we saw a lot was the the parents wanted to have like birthday parties for their kids when they yeah. when they when they um, but they did not necessarily have the time to organize them. So our business model was okay. Let's ask those parents: What are you willing to pay for us to organize uh, your, ch your your child's birthday party, and which team would you like to do that? And uh, yeah, it was uh, there was actually like a project that we did during one year, and I was the sales director, so that's where I for the first time had to go out and speak to parents and say, "Oh, so when is uh, your kid's birthday ex exactly?" So and were you going door to door better. with this, or was this just like the parents at the school, or how are well, you? Yeah, how are exactly. you soliciting <laughs> uh, new accounts? So yeah, it's a good question because I understood quite fast that yeah the parents they're coming to pick up their kids at school so it's the perfect timing to to catch them and yeah, they are focused audience the, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly so that that's that's how it that's how it went basically um and and from then on 
I tried to escape sales quite a while as well because I I was also a bit touched by that that experience in in a way that wow so you're constantly building relationships in order to to sell them something sounds a bit um sound yeah, icky. Some, yeah exactly I, but but <laughs> but just because I wasn't I wasn't yet fully aware of okay no the I think today more about sales is for me much more about your the capacity you have in in and or the speed at which you are able to build a real relationships today. I think that's where you where you can really go beyond uh, nowadays. Um, so going back to, to to your question then on why revenue precision, that was when we were working at a a, a sales enablement tool. Me and my two co-founders, mm. we. We we actually were the first employees and we had to build customer success and support. So basically that was making sure that your first customers are successful in using right. a sales enablement tool. Right. And what we've noticed was, uh, was there were two things actually. When a lot of founders uh, were buying this type of software, they did not necessarily have the time to actually leverage it themselves. Uh, they were really ambitious to do it, but then there was still... A lack of time. Secondly, there was um, there was not only that is the moment that you actually start hiring SDRs or people that will actually work with that software. They were looking for juniors. It's it's overall it's it's a it's a position that currently is being worked uh, by 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 juniors. Um, and we saw that once again you were hiring someone that doesn't necessarily have the the skill set yet and the expertise of making sure you're taking full advantage of the investment you've done in in, a, in that type of software. Um, so then we said, and okay, they're being hired by people who don't necessarily want to do the work either. So there's like this, yeah, <laughs> who's going to do yeah, it? It's like, I don't, who's yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. It's like the oh, I don't want to get my hands dirty type of work. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but then, okay. So the reflection was me and my two co-founders, like, what? Just another, just another agency. Like, there's already quite a few out there. Yeah. So we focused on on two layers in in the way we wanted to differentiate. It was, uh, what first of all was I think a lot of tools were making the shift at the time uh, between okay, you have a database of people. And then let's just pull them into some kind of sequence that includes calling, that includes an email, et cetera. And that was about it. Um, While we saw that actually technology, different type of technologies could actually start helping you to prioritize the people that you were actually going to target. And you could actually make sure that you first target the people that are more likely to wanting to talk to you. And we'll we'll go into that uh, in in this episode as well. Talking of people who want to talk to you, the there was one really important point that I wanted to get to about your service that I found real interesting. Yeah. Um, a for those that are listening, Samuel's not sitting in the U.S. He's uh, yeah. I think you're in Portugal, correct? Um, I'm currently Portugal based, yeah. Right, and so his his service, his company has a multitude of languages available to it, uh, which I found. And I think you speak two or three languages uh, yourself. Mm-hmm. Four. Your, your four languages. There you go, and then your co-founders multilingual your reps so on and so yeah. forth so uh when you think about it from a global standpoint that's that's yeah. fascinating but it also opens the door to other learnings too when you're not you know limited to that one modality of english um you had shared your you know story about uh calling into the states and what you learned from a multilingual standpoint there why don't you share with the audience that point yeah 
So that, that's uh, quite an, an interesting point. Uh, we, we we work on our DNA is A/B testing, uh, and and we we learned that uh, working together in the previous company, and we we really thought that was essential. So one of the things that we wanted to test was okay, what if you send emails to people in their own language, like because that's how I would like to be treated and also the way you could stand out from the crowd at a certain moment because i think everybody receives a lot of emails in english but how many times have you received one in spanish if you're if you're native spanish uh, and so we tested it we ab tested a couple of campaigns for a couple of clients that were addressing people in their in their in their native tongue and yeah uh, it wasn't actually that much of a surprise that it was leading to better results but it was actually it was double the, the it was two x the wow. results that you would be expecting from a from a campaign. Um, again, it really depends on the on the on the specific industries as well. And and I'm not here to to be the one claiming yeah everybody should start doing it everywhere. No, it's about A B testing for me. Uh, but we also understood that okay, if this is what brings results, then if you're hiring for SDRs and account managers. You should hire to enrich yourself with even more languages. Uh, so that's why whenever we are looking for a new talent to, to join our team, is like, okay, what 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 are you bringing? Which which language are you bringing? Which uh, which skill set are you bringing that we do not have yet? I'm sure salespeople see this all the time. We see it a lot, particularly in tech and SaaS, where mm. uh, a lot of the founders are and where English is their second language. I think that's what we're, we're touching on here is that yeah. if you can connect with that founder or that CMO, whatever your, whoever your you know target decision maker yeah. is. But if you can identify with their primary languages and to reach out to them that way. Now, if I'm an English speaker only myself and I'm mm -hmm. trying to use this play, there's probably some tools like Google Translate. You had yeah. recommended uh, Deeple, I think it is, D-E- d2espl.com deeple.com yeah, exactly. uh, which i just tried out before hopping on here and it was real easy to just type in what you're trying to say and choose your language and it has like 150 different languages or something like that yeah yeah uh, and it, it, they give a, an additional functionality if you go premium which is like do you want the translation to be informal formal so different type of uh, uh yeah different type of tones basically mm -hmm. um i mean it's it's an interesting topic that I think a lot of comp companies can can explore even further. I think the moment you go into the the hyper growth phase, I think a lot of companies go into those. Okay, I will hire a rep specifically for different countries, which right. I think is something only done at that stage and not not earlier. While it could give you a, a more insights into the earlier you, you you try it, the earlier you can also even understand what where which market uh, am I currently am I currently sh or should I be be focusing on. Goes back to A/B testing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 certainly it. <laughs> I mean, the one thing that that I can add is uh, if, if the audience is is like, oh, but I don't speak. I only speak one language. We we've tried it at some moment. Uh, we said to one of our SDRs, oh, but okay, now try and reach out in in French. You don't know French. How would you do it? And the 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 case study was was quite interesting because he. He assumed basically in the emails that, okay, well, if I am, I'm not French, but I can easily try and speak some French. And then if they come back to me, I can easily reply back in English and say, hey, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I'm still learning French. 
So uh, if you don't mind, I would like to continue the conversation in English. And actually, people are are really understanding towards that, those type of conversations. And same thing if you if you have to move the conversation from an SDR to an AE. Let's say your SDR speaks Italian and your AE do, does not. I have never witnessed the the problem that if an an SDR books a meeting in Italian. And then says, "Hey, do you mind that the English that my my colleague will do the call? Um, he's, he's he only speaks English, but I I assumed looking at your profile that should be fine. I have never had anyone saying that that doesn't work. So, just speaking one language, I wouldn't say is an excuse anymore today right. because of the tools. Right? Um, that was the, the point I wanted to make. Well, I'm going to be uh, <laughs> prospecting in your backyard then after this. <laughs> well, I think." What we're teetering on uh, in this conversation is getting into uh, total addressable market, serviceable mm -hmm. addressable market, getting into really getting away from overestimating our addressable yeah. market. And so these are, you know, topics I think kind of teeter on the cusp of that. But when we were in our uh, conversation offline, you, mm -hmm. know, you had mentioned that overestimating one's total addressable market in the TAM is one of the biggest issues that you're seeing with some of your new clients and just in general out there in the space is, you know, folks thinking that this is just an infinite up game, right? There's just yeah. always enough opportunity out there. So let's, let's go there. Give me your perspective on why you think overestimating total addressable market is a, a big challenge for companies going into 2024. In general, um, I think it all it comes down to something we all know, which is um, calculations in, uh, in in sheets and and excels, and uh, because a lot of um, people are currently preparing for this new year that is that is arriving with exactly with calculations of this is where we're going to go in order to get this number of meetings or this number of closed deals. I need to send out hundreds of thousands of emails, or I get I need to do this number of calls. But what I felt a lot, and one specific case study that we that we've worked in the past, that that actually taught me a lot in that matter was okay. First of all, if you wanna, if you want to to know where you're going to be, you need to be selling. You need to be the one actually on writing the emails, trying to understand, get on the calls, on the just to understand. Okay, are people currently warm for the type of product that we are having? Yes mm. or no? Because once you go in, you translate that into numbers in your Excel file or in your, I don't know, the the, the, the numerous types of... The TAM analysis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think everybody already saw those. And what happens often is like, okay, the moment that that translates into a number, there's expectations uh, attached to it. So... Quotas. Quotas, yeah. <laughs> uh, and which means commissions and, all, and, and pressure. Uh, on top pressure. of that because it's not well then there's the a and b rounds of investment that uh your your investors are looking for yeah. you know their money as well yeah so what happens is and this is literally the, the let me always walk through my experience that explains where where i want to arrive is that we we started actually reaching out for this particular company that was that was in the insurance space and we we said look before we can actually train your your people on, on how to do stuff we would like to try and and get those demos in um, and when we were doing that we in three months we clearly showed that we had value to bring to the company and that we could really uh, teach quite some some things to the to, to their to their reps uh we noticed that 
the the VP had actually taken our numbers and put it into an Excel file and said, okay, now everybody should be able to do that. So when we say everybody, we were one rep versus all of a sudden six reps. However, that goes uh, that starts with the assumption that if you, for example, say we have 20 companies that wanted to talk to us in a month, and then all of a sudden in you're 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 saying now, no, no, there's six more reps, six times 20, that would say you're now expecting that there is 120 companies every single month that are interested in learning about my product. That is that's quite some confidence you have in your yeah, own product right. and your, your yeah, product market right. fit, right? right? When you when you're but still working on your first twenty customers, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where where we then saw that the moment it turns into that number into whatever software you're using to do that, the founders or the investors came and said, no, 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 no. okay, if these are the numbers, now you need to uh, hire twenty reps or even more. And we need to get, we need to speak out to as many companies as we can. But what you automatically are doing is if you're doing that is you're assuming to, you're basically increasing your costs with 20 reps <laughs> quite in a, in a quite uh, in a scale that I think is too fast right, compared right. to actually not knowing specifically how many companies effectively mm -hmm. are interested into, into the market. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's that's where I, I feel sometimes I, I prefer to speak and, and talk with uh, with people that are like, okay, I've we've already done this. We know it didn't work. And now we have this realistic view on, on things and we are ready to work. So I always try to understand that in the conversations that I'm having. But in general, people are, are currently, I think 2023 was for everybody a, a tough year. And I think yep. a lot of companies had to had to had to pivot in order to 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 uh, yeah, to to stay alive and i think that's where i feel that the sales community is also uh, is more mature in that in that perspective now um and and that's why i recommend everyone is like to keep listening keep listening to the to the market by uh, looking into intent data signals from multiple sources that can tell you which markets are currently interesting um uh, but also scaling your sales team accordingly to what you see in terms of the number of meetings that your other reps are actually able to uh, to, to book. Um, I think that's way more important than, uh, for, uh, in my opinion, than having those numbers and those prognosis perfectly spot on. Um, I, that's why, for example, for me, commissions have to be focused on on realistic data, not necessarily right. on, uh, on on well, data territories that... need to be based and quotas need to be based off of realistic data, and as a result, then yeah, yeah commissions and so forth will you know follow. But I agree with you; it 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 happens all the time. We see it. Our early stage startup takes on yeah. funding. With that funding, they take on a ton of pressure to get the returns and start scaling and getting double yeah. digit growth immediately, and so. The, the minute they find some some signal of success, while may not be total repeatable, they they, they kind of put all their chips yeah. in and on that bet and extrapolate one learning lesson and then start hiring like like crazy. Um, and the communication, I think, is a piece that you 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 talked to a little bit in there that uh, when we get into this mode of growth of all at all cost. We sacrifice 
really dissecting what's working and what's not working and the failures and who's not inhaling our product right away. And we fast track through all the the critical learnings and the learning mode, if you will, and we get straight into, you know, what's our target for the quota? What's our forecast? Mm-hmm. When, when we're still early like that, that's the opportune time to really refine our focus, understand what are the signals that, um, you know, that lead to, or the triggers that lead to, to conversion. Right. And for those that are maybe new to the total addressable market discussion, um, you know, that's your, 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 your TAM is going to be basic firmographic targeting, mm-hmm. right? That's just, that's going to be the, the total ocean. But then when you think about what's in their environment, maybe technographics is a big, is a big one that kind of helps you trim that funnel down. So think of a funnel uh, with your total addressable market, right? Think of yep. at the top, you have anybody with a pulse that could potentially even think about your product. And then you dwindle that down to a point where it's actually less is more, right? And in that middle layer, if we had three in this funnel, uh, you have your, your serviceable addressable market and, that's people who you know can really probably utilize your product, but you haven't had a conversation with them, and you you haven't really uncovered what's happening in their in their environment and whether or not now is a good time. But you know, on the surface, mm-hmm. based on firmographics, technographics, and maybe some other signals, that they could be a good fit. So you're refining this down. But what your team does, which I found fascinating, is getting to that the bottom that third layer of your addressable market, getting into your serviceable attainable market um, is using intent data. And you kind of alluded to that already and using multiple sources to triangulate, if you will, and validate some of these signals so that you know that they're actionable. And you were sharing some some stats with me offline, some A-B testing where mm-hmm. reply rates and open rates were, were pretty good, uh, mm-hmm. but then your team turn things on with a more refined focus using the intent data that's proprietary to you. Um, and you were able to, in some cases, double some of these stats. So mm-hmm. go a little deeper for me on and to whatever degree you can with our, for our audience. Yeah, yeah this, sure. This, this intent data method that you're using, because I think we're all familiar with the intent data that we get in zoom info, the intent data we get from six cents and some of these, you know, top of mind players in that realm, but you're doing something that's more proprietary. So without giving us the formula, can yeah. you at least talk to the approach a little bit more in detail? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it starts again with our our wish to be even more, it's what, our, it's what the name revenue precision stands for. It's like, how can you be even more precise in, in selling to the right people? A lot of, a lot of sales campaigns that even when we started, there's a lot of there's a hit and miss, but there's a lot of miss and not a lot of hits, right? So what you need to do is like, okay, how can you actually hedge that hedge that problem and and try right. to, to to solve that one? And so what we do is always the same. Let's go and A/B test. Let's put ourselves together. Let's do some small what we call internal hackathons, and and let's try and figure out on uh, what we call our we call it um the buying spectrum, which is basically a spectrum between on the on the left hand side, you have people that people that are absolutely not in the market to to sell, but they're simply part of your service serviceable market simply because of the fact that they are within that ICP that you defined initially. Okay. But then you have people on the right hand side of your 
of that spectrum that say, I'm ready to buy it tomorrow. The perfect example of one of those is an inbound lead. Okay. okay an inbound yeah. lead wants to learn more about you, about your product and has already some information and you just need to guide the, the experience. So whenever you see that spectrum, what we try to do is find strategies that bring us more into that right-hand side of things, which is how close can we actually get to that inbound uh, lead? And you know, like I said, then what we did was we tested intent data that that is currently uh, available in the in the sales enablement uh, market. Right. And I bet that uh, when when people are listening to this uh, this part of the of the conversation, that they say, "Yeah, I've tried. It doesn't work." Noisy, that, yeah. There's a lot of noise, I and mean, that's that's what I said when yeah. you and I first spoke. I was like, "Well, yeah. does intent data really work?" I mean, it yeah. seems, yeah. And that's where we have a problem now because now we need to start defining what intent data is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially because I feel that intent data, like uh, the way everybody sees it, is data that is basically telling you wh- wh- what Google searches have been done. Right. W- Someone at that company is looking for something like what you do. I mean, it's, it could be almost, it could be pretty vague, uh, quite frankly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the type of information that you have available. So every time when we purchase a specific uh, intent data solution to, to test, I always asked, okay, what exactly are you evaluating as intent? And they were always, ah, it's something we don't necessarily always want to disclose, et cetera. And I was telling them, yeah, but that's very difficult because I know that in order for this to be, in order for any email that I'm sending out to anyone really to be to be effective, there needs to be relevance in the email. So if you're not right. telling me why exactly I can reach out to that person, or if you can tell me what the exact reason is that that person context be, right, there's no con- there's no contextual in- exactly in- 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 make signals. it hard like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and that's that was literally a problem that we saw with multiple solutions out there. Okay. Um, with a, with a couple of exceptions, um, because we, but we in general, we saw that, okay, there must be ways that you can follow digital breadcrumbs online with low tech that you can, that you can, for a couple of bucks, uh, find online. There must be ways of trying stuff. And that's, that's when we really started to, we really have, we have uh, an, an uh, actually, it's so just a PowerPoint slide where we have that spectrum and each, each month we try to add a new strategy on that spectrum that basically we try to the and we tried a couple of those um, i think the most i think the one that we've been using for like one year and a half that is now getting a little bit more commoditized is when somebody is actually changing a job um i think we all know how to filter those uh, those leads uh, whether it's monthly or Quarterly, I think a lot of, of people are using that, but we yep, said, yep. no, 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 I need to know it tomorrow. Because if it's if it changed it now, or if she changed it now on their LinkedIn, for example, then that's because they were currently, they're now proud of it. So that means now is also the time to just send them an email or give them a call, just saying congrats. But isn't everybody else doing that, though? I mean, it, yeah. everybody knows the job change trigger, so... Yeah, is that but my really question the best is how time to, to, to innovate mm, to, to reach out? Mm-hmm. I think it's a good question. The question is for me is is double because one, I think a lot of people actually do that, but do you do it at the right moment or do you? Yeah, you you did it because they are within that 
three month three month space of they have recently changed or do you know that they yesterday cha- changed their uh, their changed their, their their profile it's like you said it's not the most sexy example right, right. let me go to a, a more a more uh, an, an, another example that i think is is more relevant is what is the holy grail of understanding people that are currently looking for your product is knowing uh, which uh, uh, competitors currently have uh, proposals outstanding with, uh, with with people. Ah, okay, okay. Right? That's that would be. I'd, I'd pay That's for holy that. grail. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would be really willing to know what's going on in the pipeline of their their competitor, and so do we. So we said, okay, how do you how do you how do you do that? Like that—that that was one of the the questions that we that we had. Sounds like a black hat <laughs> competition yeah. hacking going on. Well, exactly. That, that I mean, obviously, at some point somebody proposed, yeah, but why don't we just hack into into the Salesforce? And I was like, okay, mm-hmm, there's a possibility, but we're crossing a line, right? <laughs> and I think in general there should be there should be other ways, uh, not necessarily at that accurate because it's impossible, but there must be ways that yeah that you can see on 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 LinkedIn, but also on on other platforms, where that people are currently looking into into their specific uh, website or their their product, etc. And we tried a couple of things. First two didn't didn't really perform the way we wanted, but the third one. Um, the third one was actually was was a hit. Um, we understood that the people were actually interested in 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 just more information based on the fact that they we had found a trigger that was basically telling us that we know at least that you have a competitor and yeah okay so obviously the hit or miss is still there right it's not a yeah so you're saying that there's a competitor in, installed yeah right? there's a, there's a competitor so it's so difficult to not, to not yeah. share it. Yeah, exactly. so not, I thought you were gonna go there. Really... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why Derek is. But let, so let me let me let me interrupt you. So just right just to yeah, double yeah. click here. So what mm-hmm. you're touching on and kind of dancing around here a little bit is being yeah, able to have visibility into, uh, you know, if there's a prospect, you you know who else they're engaged with potentially, right? Who else yeah. they're accepting proposals from, and we're all probably familiar with public bid systems, RFPs, and things like that that are issued yeah. out from you know, government entities, municipalities will make public bids. But in the private sector, we we don't, we solicit bids privately, generally speaking, mm-hmm. right? And so if a is, CMO a needs a new, you know, marketing automation tool, they're not telling the world about that. They're going online and they're searching, going, again, going back to the intent data uh, yep. conversation. They're filling out forms or taking discovery calls and these sorts of things. So what you're saying is there's a way through y- your uh, proprietary intent data model yeah. that you can get signals that get you close to understanding who's actively engaged. Now, let me finish as well, because when we go back to the technographic conversation or just, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, serviceable, addressable market, one of the things that does exist in the marketplace is like contract end dates, right? If my contract is coming due with, I, I mentioned Zoom Info earlier, yeah. Yeah, I'm three months out. There's yeah. a way to get intelligence around that, infer that data today with other yeah. providers. But what you're saying is that we can actually see who's actively in dialogue to to, to a degree. And you can't tell us how you do that. That's how what's what makes you special and different and how you help your clients. 
Um, but it seems like that would be, like you said, the holy grail. Uh, and I mean, yeah. talk about some of the numbers, though. I think that's where I wanted yeah. to yeah, yeah, really sure. end up on is when you have that kind of signals and that kind of you're reaching out in language. If English isn't their first language, you're really right. getting down to an obtainable, obtainable market persona. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're using intense signals like that, that indicate that they're engaged already to reach out. So I could imagine that your open rates, your reply rates on your initial outreach, your cold outreach are, are, are really high. Especially because we have context. And that's what we were missing with the other intensity. So in this case, if you really know the the intense signal, or if you know the context that was that was associated to it, it's now easier to write a relevant email. Right. And in this specific case, we right. A-B tested multiple ones, um, but we basically just wrote them saying, hey, it looks like you currently are in conversations with X. Am I correct? That's a, the question is, is, is directly, it's out there. So the only thing they have to respond is like, hey, that's interesting. Obviously, people then are, are interested. Hey, but how did you know? Okay, that, that happens. And you can easily respond to them. Hey, a partner of mine mentioned it. So I was curious if it was true. And then whenever you have that, at least you're the interesting part of this specific uh, intent, intent signal is the fact that it our results were, let me first go into the open rates that were 70, 80% on this one, because wow. you actually, you mentioned it, you mentioned it in the, the subject, subject line. line. Mm -hmm. And then in the email as well, there is the, the reply rate was, was way higher, obviously, as well. Think around you're, uh, you're, it's relevant it's personalized it's contextualized yeah, um, to the right person because right, this time right. you know you, it's not i'm not i'm not guessing who who actually who is actually speaking right you you know the you know the person so that's why it's it's you're touching on the on on the relevant people and then what you what you can easily do is you, you can easily say hey uh, yeah but um I mean, it was one of my partners. I will I will investigate which one it was because I don't remember and I'll get back to you. And then if you don't get back, people they, never they, really... <laughs> so basically you just possible. shove it to the side a little bit. You kind of just... Yeah, why? Because it. eventually what you're trying to do, and let's not forget what, what why I got into sales was because the only thing you want is genuine relationships that you want to right. build. So if this is a good fit, then let's have the conversation. Like if you're looking for a solution like this, then at least do your due diligence and, and evaluate multiple options. If it's not a if it's not if it's not correct, then okay, then the answer is also no, no, I'm currently not interested. And that's also fine, right? So it, it's not necessarily something that people should be afraid of, in my opinion. Um so okay, so then uh the yeah, the reply rates were also around I think 30, 30%, something like that. So it's it's, it's simply because of. Yeah, unheard of. But let, and I need to make one uh, this one parenthesis here, right? It's it's not that like you build a database of people that you want to reach out to here. It's the number of leads that you receive through this type of um, analytics is is also restricted. Small. Like, yeah, and that's the what we were saying before is you need to dwindle exactly, yeah. that, distill that oh. that uh, funnel down into people who are actually yeah. someone you can can obtain. Yeah. So the the conversion from the the number of people that you actually put into the into the sequence towards how many interested leads you you are getting from that we saw that was between four and five percent which today mm -hmm. is is quite good if yeah, you if you compare that of course if people speak about the results in 2018 
that was also a time where we still saw four percent, five percent. But if someone if someone knows how to do a cold emailing with four or five percent right now, um, I, I would love to speak to them. Eh? So that that's that's really difficult. So that's why we understood this is working well. But the real curiosity came when we started using this um, this for a couple of use cases. And there was one specific company that reached out to me. It was a phone number I, I never never heard of, so I didn't even expect it was a client, but it was actually the CEO of the company. So usually I interacted with the VP of sales and now it was a CEO that, that wanted to just thank me for uh, for the year. <laughs> I'm talking about 2022. And it was... It was just saying hey, it's it's incredible, not from the perspective of the number of meetings that it booked, because I mean I have I have a lot of reps and and this was just one of them. But what was interesting he says is if I look at my stats right now, is the best predictor for a deal to close was actually your 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 signal. So rather than only looking at the conversions, it was all the way through all the way through so there was one another use case in um in in uh, cybersecurity where um the yeah i received a phone call of the vp of sales sam like we're two we're we have we're leveraging this now for two weeks and there was one, one of my reps that called me uh, two days ago saying where do you get this data i just called uh, someone out of the blue and i said hey Sorry for catching you, but it seems like you currently are looking for a solution that does this. And the prospect actually just replied, "Yeah, yeah, I already have a proposal on the table of your competitors. So if you want, well, to you know, you you said it's a really important point that comes up in a lot of uh, like SDR conversations. Do we mention that when we reach out? Right? Do you yes. do you say, "Hey, it looks like you're looking for something like this solution," or do you try and go around the bush a little bit and you know, and, hey, retest it? I think Maybe it depends on the SAP. I really think it depends. Uh, I noticed, for example, with uh, salespeople. So if you're selling to salespeople, they don't mind if you call yeah, it out. Yeah, they know the technology's yeah. out there. It's not weird to them. Mm -hmm. If you're more looking into people, that, for example, are, it's all about compliance and it's all about, uh, yeah. yeah. Your risk managers and things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that that's why it's about A-B mm. testing again. I think the messaging itself is a whole game on its own. Uh, but we noticed that if you don't, and that's in general, eh, for any campaign that you currently run, whether it's via phone calls or, or, or emails, is to, if you use the right context, people people will listen, yeah. and and that's and that that's the key. So that means if you have a signal, you need to leverage the information; otherwise, it's kind of useless. Because the the person you wrote that email to received ten or fifteen other emails. Right. Exactly. That's what that I was saying about day. the job change trigger earlier. Is that they're all getting inundated, but. The difference exactly. is, is you're 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 it's layering the right in. timing, yeah. But you're also laying in the, the contextual insights yeah. that you have as well, not just that. Hey, it looks like you changed jobs, and then you default back to your standard persona messaging. You're yeah. saying it looks like you changed jobs, and it looks like you're looking for something like this because, like, right? So it's uh, yeah. really refined. Mm -hmm. But that, and I I think now it's it's good also like if you agree with me like to move away now from this specific signal into like again the realm of other signals that are out there Sim simply because we can i can talk at least an hour just about the different type of signals that you could you could try as a company but the idea is that what i want people to take away from this specific conversation would be build a layered system of a prioritized outreach don't like there is it's good to have a cold sequence running to people in your icp 
on top of that, try to see who is a little bit more interested. It's okay to to use some of the other intent data out there just to see if it, it if it works. And on top of that, always go higher in terms of priority. And the higher you go in in terms of the value of a specific signal, the more personalized it should be. It should be in the approach in approaching that prospect. So see it really as different layers that I think you could uh, give different responsibilities to different reps, or you could give them a way of looking at their own book of business with diff- with a, with that view that's up up to the 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 way your company works but i think giving them that layered i, I call it like kind of augmented reality glasses over their over their uh, market that they are targeting yeah this that's that's for me that's um that is a rep on steroids for me someone that really can look into his market and see okay today this is the person I need to catch. Even if almost I have to take the plane to show up at the office, this signal is so important, I don't want to miss it. I mean, up until that point, right? Knowing that that rep at the same time has some leads going out to some some cold, uh, some cold uh, prospects that are also in his book of business, which he shouldn't neglect. Right, right, but exactly. And that's why this. But you're talking that goes back to the prioritization of like, yeah, yeah. let's put all let's put our focus where it needs to be right now at this moment. Yeah. So that's why when we go all the way back to what we mentioned in the beginning, it's that the idea of you know just to make sure I'm not losing any business, let me just hire uh, 20 reps, and and let them go do whatever they do. Is now no no reduce maybe the number of reps that you have and invest that that money that and raise that your you signals right exactly right. and raise that that because you're basically supercharging the people that you've already trained otherwise you need to go to the through the same process of onboarding and training some people that never so you see instead of if every rep that is now hitting your quota could with different signals tomorrow hit 40% more you'll also get to the to the to the meetings the number of meetings that you actually wanted or even to the actual business that you closed I, again, and here is me. I'm, I'm talking here after doing this for for five years now. And I mean, it's not that this is the that this is the only solution, but I think it helps this this view just to get a little bit out of the view that a lot of people in the industry uh, proclaim or to to evangel yeah the way evangelists work in general. I think it helps you to 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 think about this in a in a different way. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sales Consultant Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, it would go a long way if you were to write a short review on the listening app of your choice.